hits all the time. We are family. double-digit K's. We're busting ours. Kick yours. Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Masson All Access podcast, everybody, from our brand new studio in the Masson Web Room. If you checked out our Masson Nationals uh, coverage of the MLB draft last night, you got a glimpse of our new, brand new setup. Bobby Blanco here with Brendan Mortensen, our Masson All Access draft expert. He's been studying this draft for the front and back for the past couple of weeks now, and you'll be seeing a lot more of him across Masson All Access over the coming months. Uh, we are, of course, brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. A lot of surprising picks in the first couple of picks, and definitely in the top 10, Brendan, of the first round of the MLB draft last night. But the Nationals doing what most expected them to do, and that is taking a, a right handed pitcher, a starting pitcher, a big power arm in Cape Cavalli. Uh, Cavalli, right? Cavalli, yeah. I'm getting mixed up with all the names. Cavalli, (laughs) Kate Cavalli, exactly who we uh, kind of thought. There was uh, plenty of options for them at 22, and um, they stuck with uh, with what we thought they were going to do. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of options there, but this is pretty much as solid of a number 22 pick as you could probably get. Kate Cavalli was ranked the number 22 prospect, according to MLB's top 150, so the Nationals pretty much hit the nail right on the head with this. Exactly, yeah, and it's kind of funny that he fell on their lap. There are other options as well. Uh, we had a kind of a, a long list of pitchers we thought they were going to take. We figured it'd be a pitcher. We kind of panicked a little bit and thought maybe they might go catcher, they might go First baseman, that's uh, areas in the farm system that need to add some depth uh, with the major league roster looking a little more um, older in those positions. But Mike Rizzo and company stuck to what they know. They usually draft pitchers um, in the first round. Uh, Kate Cavalli now makes uh, seven of their last eight first round picks pitchers. Um, and again, a big power guy. He's listed as 6'2", or 6'4", excuse me, 21-year-old, 226 pounds, junior out of Oklahoma. Like you said, the 22nd ranked prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. He has arsenal, two-seam and four-seam fastballs. He calls it a spike curveball. Also throws a slider and a changeup in there. If you're watching on our Massive Nationals YouTube or Facebook pages, you see his statistics in his collegiate career at OU, 4.09 ERA. A lot of strikeouts, not too many walks. A solid whip, a respectable whip for a starting pitcher. And Brendan, this is also a guy who, he's not just a pitcher. He also batted a bunch in his collegiate career. Um, started at Oklahoma as a first baseman, uh, but then kind of fell in love with pitching and really committed to pitching full-term when he went to the Cape Cod League, uh, heading into his sophomore season. Uh, So he can kind of do it all. Yeah, I mean, in 2019, he hit 319 with four home runs. So, I mean, this could be a guy who could come in, be a starter in the National League, and actually be a factor at the plate. He didn't start pitching until he was a sophomore in high school and had some back issues as a senior in high school. So he doesn't have a ton of experience, but he's got that raw upside that could really make him a front end of the rotation kind of guy. And I think that's the big reason that the Nationals go with Cavalli here at the 22nd pick. You figure he's probably going to be somewhere around the Jackson Rutledge range in terms of Nationals top prospects in their farm system. That puts him around three or four. And when you look after Rutledge and Cavalli, 
things get a little more murky. You've got Will Crow, who's probably your next best pitching prospect, and he's hoping to profile as maybe a number four, number five guy in Rutledge and Cavalli the last two drafts. You've got two pitchers who could possibly be number one, number two, number three guys, and that's what you're hoping for if you're Mike Rizzo. You mentioned the back issues, some injury history. That's also kind of a trade that we feel, I feel like the Nationals front office kind of looks forward to. We know their history with guys with Tommy John. Cavalli, no Tommy John, but you mentioned the back issues. He addressed that in his press conference, or sorry, Zoom call after he was selected last night, saying that was mostly his, in high school. He, he had some injury bugs in college, but he, he was able to make a majority of his starts, um, and he really feels like that part of his career is behind him. He's been takes pride in that he's been able to stay healthy for the majority of his collegiate career at OU. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting that it is a, a, a little factor that we see a lot of Nationals draft picks have some sort of injury history, but as we've seen in, like, Look at the major case in Steven Strasburg, especially with a right-handed pitcher. Obviously a Tommy John guy, a little more serious than back issues, but they've done a good job of taking these pitchers with some injury history, bringing them along, keeping them healthy, and keeping their uh, uh, growth at a steady level where they can develop into some of the best pitchers and, and, and one of the best farm with, with starting pitching in all of baseball. And, and we'll touch on how the state of the Nationals farm system in a little bit but Cavalli again, kind of matches that perfect mold where Mike Rose likes to draft. And honestly, they probably did not expect him. You mentioned he was a 22 overall pick, but they probably thought he was going to be off the board by the time the Nationals got to the 22nd pick last night. They were probably looking more at uh, Cole Wilcox, who they've drafted in the past out of Georgia. That's who I thought that they would kind of land to. But with Cavalli sitting there right when they got drafted, I don't think they could pass him up. And I think with Cavalli, too, it's the upside that was really attractive for him. That's one of the things that I was talking about. And I think he might have more upside than even a Cole Wilcox. I mean, Wilcox was fantastic to start the 2020 season, but Cavalli has electric stuff. I mean, there were talks that he could have been a top three round pick coming out of high school back in 2017. And I think you're okay with the injury concerns because of the potential. The potential is just 100% there for Cade Cavalli. Yeah, and uh, let's go through his, his arsenal. Like I mentioned, he has a fastball on a 20 to 80 scale. His fastball ranks a 60, his curveball a 60, slider 55, changeup 50, and overall his control is 45. Um, on his conference call, I think he also mentioned stuff that he wants to improve on is kind of that control. He wants to be able to control his pitches a little better, and he wants to be able to work up, shape up, clean up his delivery almost. His, clean up, his delivery isn't exactly where he would want it to be right now. Obviously, he's only a junior coming out of college. That's something that he's looking forward to working with the Nationals coaching staff and front office um, throughout the farm system and helping them uh, kind of develop and, and get a little more smoother. But in terms of his output pitches, like you mentioned, the upside is there. Uh, he's got his fastball that can touch 96, uh, even up closer to the higher 90s, 98, 99. He said um, during his junior season that obviously got cut short uh, due to the shutdown that he was averaging about 95 if not almost 96 so his fastball velocity is there and with his out pitches against lefties he really likes to use uh, his changeup which he thinks is coming along a little better he has some fade with that changeup that he likes to throw some movement against left-handed hitters and against righties um, he calls it a spike curve he really likes to get a nice curve on that on that pitch to really kind of uh, freeze hitters and and we mentioned that his ability or his pass as a hitter uh, throughout high school and the beginning of his college career he kind of uses that mindset of a hitter to get 
hitters as a pitcher uncomfortable at the plate. And he, he, he has that experience where he, he mentioned he knows what it feels like to be uncomfortable and facing a pitcher where you know you're not going to touch him. Um, and he, that's what he tries to do when he faces his own hitters on the mound. And the important thing with Cavalli, too, is that he has coachable issues coming out of the draft. When a guy falls to number 22 with this much arm talent, he's got to have a few issues here and there. But with Cavalli, there are things that can be taught. He has a little bit of trouble commanding the strike zone, and he doesn't have a ton of deception in his delivery. You, you can teach those things. You can learn that as you go throughout the minor leagues. What you can't teach a lot of is a guy who's got potentially three-plus pitches in the majors with his fastball, whatever you want to call his curveball, and his changeup that, he, again, hasn't pitched that much but has a lot of potential. The command with the strike zone and the deception in the delivery, those are things that you can coach. And I think those are things that he's going to develop as he goes throughout the minor leagues. So that maybe by the time he gets to the majors in a few years, that's the kind of stuff that is front end of the rotation stuff. Right. And you can't teach that. You can't teach that good of a fastball, that good of other pitches as the secondary options. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier the potential to pairing him with last year's first round pick, Jackson Rutledge, a, a potential top of the rotation a couple of arms down the line. You know, if you look at this Nationals Major League roster, of course, the starting pitching is their strength. We saw them take them to a World Series title last October on the backs of Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, a World Series MVP, Patrick Corbin, even Anibal Sanchez gets lost in that mix when he had a great season as well and postseason. Um, but this is an organization, Brendan, that really prides themselves on their farm system and being able to find that balance of having really good prospects on the farm, but also having being competitive at the major league level year in and year out. Um, and Mike Rizzo has done a really good job of towing that line of not being rebuilding, but kind of restocking that farm system. And when you look at this team now, this is an interesting year. Yes, it turned out and turned into a World Series championship. But I would think that the farm system for the Nationals organization is not where Mike Rizzo and his staff wants it to be in terms of the rankings and, and the top prospects. Eight of their top 10 prospects are pitchers. That's a good thing. That's a lot. But none, none of them really fall on any top 100 or top 150 prospect rankings across the nation. Obviously, their one, two prospects are Carter Keebum and Luis Garcia, both infielders. We don't know what Carter Keebum is going to be at third base. Garcia is still a couple years away. So I think reloading this farm system with pitchers, starting with Jackson Rutledge last year, now add Kate Cavalli, I think is a high up top of the Mike Rizzo priority list. Yeah, and it's a must for the major league level because you've got Anibal Sanchez is 36. Max Scherzer is 35. Steven Strasburg even is 31. And Patrick Corbin is 30. So none of their top four starters are really the youngest guys in the world. When you look around the National League at some of the other top teams, they've got young pitching talent. And that's what the Nationals are going to have to keep up with. I mean, you've got a guy like Jack Flaherty in St. Louis, came in fourth in the Cy Young voting last year. He's 24. You've got Walker Bueller in L.A. He's another young stud. Mike Soroka, who could have won NL Rookie of the Year had it not been for Pete Alonso's historic season. He was just a rookie last year, and he came in second in NL, NL Rookie of the Year voting, and he was top five in NL Cy Young voting. So teams around the league have really young and really good pitching talent, and that's what the Nationals are going to have to keep up with. You, your top four starters are at least 30 years old. I mean, I, you know you're going to have more years out of Strasburg and Corbin, but you've got to have some guys like Rutledge and Cavalli come up within the next few years and help those guys out. Yeah, and we also know that teams around the league also look at the Nationals as an organization where they can 
see possible trade pieces. And we know Mike Rizzo likes to do that as well with the arms that he has in that farm system. Uh, you look at some of the guys on this major league roster, obviously an Adam Eaton came from the White Sox in a package deal that included Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and Dane Dunning, who was also a first-round pick uh, as well. And then also Sean Doolittle coming over from the A's for Jesus Lazario, who was at the time one of the top prospects and has become one of the best closers in baseball with the A's, or has a bright future for them. Um, and so we know that Mike Rizzo likes to, again, kind of teetering that line of we have great arms that could be a part of our rotation's future, or we can use them to kind of dangle in front of other teams when we need to add to our major league club elsewhere. Uh, and again, it worked. It turned out. It worked out. They won a World Series champion. That's kind of the goal you're, you're looking for when you're crossing that line um, in terms of whether you keep a guy or you save or you trade him off for another piece. But the way that this farm system is stacked right now, again, yes, eight of the top ten prospects are pitchers, but Jackson Rutledge might be really the only one that is kind of tantalizing, and he's one year removed from being drafted, and he didn't have a full season. He's not going to have a season this year. That's another thing that this, this draft, this shortened draft kind of brings to the table for all, all of baseball is that these minor leaguers that you would – any experience that you would expect from any pitcher or any player – from this year is going to be pushed back another year because of this shutdown. No minor league baseball this year. We don't even know if we're going to have major league baseball. So with the Jackson Rutledge set back another year, now's the time to really stock up on arms for this club as opposed to maybe just, hey, let's take best player available. Let's look forward because the Nationals actually do have five more picks. They have one in each of the remaining four rounds and a, a comp compensatory pick for losing Anthony Rendon this offseason to the Angels. So five more picks. Do you expect them to keep stockpiling arms and then maybe take a chance on a position player here or there, or will they go best player available? I, I wouldn't be surprised if they kept going with pitchers, to be honest. I mean, you look at the draft last year, they take Jackson Rutledge in the first round, and then two of the next three picks are pitchers again. So if you're sitting in the second round and all of a sudden somebody's falling, then maybe that's when you take a chance on somebody who's slipping down into the second round who could potentially be a top end of the rotation pitcher. I mean, you're looking for that potential. Like I was saying, in the system right now, you've got Rutledge who has that potential, but then after that, you're looking at a bunch of guys who are just major league hopefuls. You know, maybe they'll crack, you know, the number four in the rotation, number five in the rotation, somewhere around there. But if there's somebody who's falling that you think has a lot of upside, then sure. Go for it, absolutely. But I wouldn't be surprised either if the Nationals try to go with maybe an outfield prospect. You've got Keyboom, you've got Garcia as your top two prospects in the club right now. But then you look down the list, there's not an outfield prospect until number 13, and he's in rookie ball. Mm -hmm. So maybe if there's a good college outfielder, I wouldn't be surprised with that if that's the Nationals' second-round pick. But I don't know. I mean, if there's good pitchers available... You can never have too many good pitchers in the system. Exactly, and that's kind of interesting too because I, I would think of the outfield as a position that's kind of log-jammed at the major league level but is pretty wide open on the farm system because you look at the major club, obviously you have a Juan Soto, Victor Robles, Andrew Stevenson, Michael A. Taylor kind of waiting on the wing on the bench. You don't know how many more years of Adam Eaton, quality years at least you're going to get um, in right field. But then, like you said, in the farm system, there's only one outfield prospect really that can take uh, a hold of this thing and come up and, and be productive just like you look at the rotation we haven't even talked about a uh, Joe Ross Austin Voth Eric Fetty you know they're fine as a revolving door for the fifth starting rotation spot but they're by no means have anyone locked and 
dock down that spot and become a staple in that rotation to be a true five-man rotation for this team. So, yeah, that's interesting, too. And I mentioned earlier, too, they also had to look at first baseman. Ryan Zimmerman's not going to be along, around forever. Um, they seem to find a backup power left-handed hitter bat every other year for on one- or two-year deals. Howie Kendrick is not going to be along too much longer. He's nearing 40. Um, and then catcher Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki are – are behind the stop, yeah, for this year, but you know, maybe you get another year out of them, and then the only catching prospect they have anymore is Rowdy Reed. And so you don't really know how he's gonna turn out. He's not even ranked, I don't think, too high in their top 30. He might be closer to 30 than the top half. So that's another aspect. Obviously, anyone they draft this year, you won't see close, especially from here on out in this draft with the, with the draft concluding tonight. You won't see anywhere close to the major league level for another three or four years. But it's something to consider. Yes, stockpiling arms is good and smart. And what this team does, um, I believe, including <laughs> Cavalli last night, now 31 of the last 50 uh, selection, first 50 selections in the last five drafts for the Nationals have been pitchers. So I, I, they love their arms and, and they find talent where else. Obviously, Keeboom was an exception uh, 2016, uh, drafted as an infielder. Um, but Yes, like you said, stockpile arms. You can't really draft for need in any draft, I don't think, especially baseball, but this is what they need. I, I think the way that this team operates, and Mike Rizzo likes to run this organization, starting with pitchers, starting pitchers, not just any pitchers, starting pitchers, and then work your way up um, and see if you can maybe find a gem somewhere else uh, that falls to you. And there's a lot of good pitchers still available right now. I don't know how many of them are going to fall to 55. But you've got Jared Kelly, who's probably the best prospect available. He was ranked at number 12 in the MLB Top 150 out of Refugio High School. Maybe there's some signability issues there, and that's why he's falling. But I would be shocked if he fell to 55. You've still got Cole Wilcox on the board. He's another one that I would be surprised if they fell. But looking down the board a little bit, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nats try to go with a guy like Clayton Beater. He's a pitcher out of Texas Tech. Same thing. He's got a ton of potential. He's relatively unproven out of Texas Tech, has not thrown a lot of innings, but he's got that top end of the rotation potential. As you look at his stats there, just 41 innings, like I said, but a 2.81 ERA with 73 strikeouts and a whip just over 1.1. That's a guy who could profile as a number two, number three at the major league level. And if he somehow falls to the Nats at 55, I would not be surprised at all if Mike Rizzo scoops him up. Yeah, a couple other names that are on our list, at least to look out for tonight at 55, are uh, JT Ginn out of Mississippi State. Former uh, first-rounder of the Dodgers. Right-handed yep. pitcher Chris McMahon out of Miami, who uh, I had Byron Kerr on on the podcast last week. He talked about he talked with the University of Miami coach about. Um, and then C.J. Van Eyck out of Florida State. A couple, obviously, SEC, ACC arms are where the, where the money's at, aside from Cavalli, obviously, out of the Big, T Big 12. But... Yeah, there's still plenty of arms left out there. And, you know, this going into this draft, we knew this. You know, everyone touted this as a draft full of quality collegiate arms. Last year, not so much and as a normal draft. And, and it was kind of disappointing. And I think the Nationals found themselves very lucky to get a Jackson Rutledge where they got him at 17 overall. This year, especially with a shortened draft, and you're only having five, maybe six picks if you have a competitive balance pick or a compensatory pick, uh, you know, you can expect get a quality arm in the later rounds. Yeah, I think they can find another quality arm like you mentioned. Um, in this second round, maybe you spend that pick that you got from losing Anthony Rendon and take a chance on, on a position player at a, at a position that, you know, might, because arms are going to get gobbled up. I mean, I think everyone knows that this is a collegiate pitching heavy draft. 
So they'll be looking to get uh, some arms gone in, in the second round. But ho hopefully you'll be able to see some other names kind of slip down the board um, in the later rounds. Again, the Nationals still hold five more picks uh, as the draft concludes tonight. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. And I think regardless of where they go in the second round, Cavalli is a very good start. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people around the league would agree that Cavalli is just a solid pick at number 22. He's got a ton of upside, and you look at his stats from 2019 into 2020, his ERA did take a little bit of a jump at the beginning of the season, and I think that's why he fell to number 22. But we look at his strikeouts. He had 37 strikeouts in just 23 innings compared to the year before when he had 59 in 60 innings, and he only had five walks in those 23 innings. And he also improved his K per nine from 8.8 .8 the year before to 14.1 yeah. at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. And that's the kind of potential that you're looking for at the number 22 overall pick. And the Nationals are lucky, maybe, that he had a bit of a rockier start in 2020 because he fell down the draft board. Yeah, and you look, if you just saw the uh, stat sheet on, on our um, YouTube and Facebook stream, those 53 total walks of his career, 35 of them came in 2019, and he only had five, again, in a shortened season, but it's still cutting a lot down, and, but kept the strikeout numbers high at 37 compared to 59 the year before. So you're right, the upside is there. He, uh, the arm is there. Uh, I think you made a really good point in terms of what he needs to improve on are stuff that are easily coached and stuff that you see a lot of college players have to be worked on anyways once they reach the professional levels. Um, and the way that this Nationals organization treats their power arms, their starting pitchers, he should be able to go right alongside Jackson Rutledge, and we'll see them at AA, AAA in a couple of years, hopefully making their major league debuts sometime soon. All right, let's take a step away. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Brendan, but <laughs> away from the Nationals. Uh, we'll come back to Keiko Valley before we add, because he does have an interesting little backstory of how he spends his time at the University of Oklahoma uh, running a small business. We'll get to that in a second. But, you know, we, we mentioned at the top how there were some surprises throughout the draft. And I know Nationals fans, it's, it's kind of hard to get into the, the baseball draft. Uh, I think for any fan, I mean, it's just different. It's, there's not as much pomp and circumstance as an NFL or NBA draft. It's hard to know as many players that go uh, and be familiar with these guys. It's hard to watch college baseball as often as you watch college basketball or football. Um, but there were some surprises, I think, especially in the top 10. On our Mass and All Access Orioles side, obviously, the number two overall pick, they made a stunner. Everyone thought Austin Martin was going to be the sure thing uh, out of Vanderbilt. And lo and behold, the Baltimore Orioles shocked the world and, and took a completely different route. Yeah, Heston Kerstad is the number two overall pick out of Arkansas. I mean, he's a great prospect. He's probably the second best hitter in the draft power-wise. He's probably the best left-handed hitter in the draft. But you're taking him at number two. You've got a guy like Austin Martin on the board. You've got a fantastic pitcher like Asa Lacey on the board. So it was certainly an interesting pick for the Baltimore Orioles. I think a lot of people around the league were really surprised by that. And then at number three, Max Meyer goes to the Marlins. Everybody basically had Asa Lacey in, in Sharpie in, in their mock drafts going to the Marlins. And then all of a sudden, Max Meyer, the pitcher out of Minnesota, goes to the Marlins and Asa Lacey falls to number four, the talented lefty out of Texas A&M. I mean, the number two pick was shocking, and then the number three pick was shocking to follow <laughs> that up right after that. I mean, there were a lot of surprising picks here. Robert Hassel goes eighth overall to the Padres as the first high schooler off the board, where there was pretty much a consensus that Zach Veen was going to be the first high schooler off the board. The Red Sox at number 17 take Nick York, who 
who was the 139th ranked prospect. Wow. According to MLB's top 150. So he jumped up a little bit. Uh, just a little. A little bit. Just a little yeah. bit. But uh, there were surprises Almost all across the board <laughs> in the first round. And honestly, the Nationals made probably one of the more predictable picks of the first round. But there were surprises left and right. Yeah, I think it's because of the craziness of the top 10, 15, 19, 20 picks that allowed Cavalli to fall to the Nationals at 22. Again, we thought that he was one of the, I don't want to call him, I don't want to put tears that I don't think he doesn't deserve it, but like he, you know, you have your Asa Lacy's and your Emerson Hancock's, then it was pretty much everybody else after right. that. So tier 1B maybe, if we'll call him that, and we thought he'd be gone before 20 even, and he, lo and behold, he falls to 22. So the Nationals were felt very lucky that they were able to find him there. And again, I thought that Cole Wilcox would be the one sitting in there. Cavalli was still on the board, and they couldn't pass him up. Were there any other ones? You kind of jumped the gun there. I mean, Austin Martin going to the Blue Jays, I really hope that doesn't come back to bite the Orioles uh, in the behind because, you know, they pass on him, and then he lands in their division. They might be seeing him 90 times a year in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean... The Blue Jays, that infield is scary now. I mean, you've got potentially Kevin Biggio at second, Austin Martin maybe at third, maybe at shortstop, wherever you want to put him, and then Vlad Jr. at third base. Or, or you could even put Austin Martin at third, move Vlad Jr. over to first. I mean, that's going to be a really, really scary infield for the next 10 years. Mm. And then you've got Bo Bichette as well. I forgot about him. Yep. <laughs> forgot about Bo Bichette. So you can have Vlad Jr. at first if you wanted to, Austin Martin at third, Kevin Biggio at second, Bo Bichette at shortstop. Yep. I haven't really exactly done the research yet of where the Blue Jays farm system ranks right now. I would imagine it's going to take a couple of jumps with the addition of Just Austin a few. Martin. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, the MLB draft will conclude this afternoon starting at 5 o'clock. Be sure to tune in. We'll have all your coverage of the Nationals picks across the Master Nationals social media accounts. Again, they have 55 overall, a 71 pick, a compensation for losing Anthony Rendon, and then three through five rounds, 94, 123rd, and 153rd overall. So five more picks tonight for the Washington Nationals. Again, coverage on MassinSports.com and the Masson Nationals uh, social media accounts. You can also give Brendan a follow. He's got some good in-depth uh, looks into the draft. At Brendan Morty on Twitter. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. And thanks for listening to the Mass on All Access podcast. Hope you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Hope you are subscribed to the Mass on All Access podcast, which is presented by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. Thanks again to Brendan and Paul Mancano behind the scenes. We'll see you next time.